You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Thought I'd switch up the tonality, because I'm falling asleep in my seat, and I wanted to shake it up. Shake it up, shake it up. Anyways, um, today is the day in which we are going to discuss the final position group. And there are some other things, and I'm debating whether I want to go down that road or not, but the final major position group, which is safety. I'm pretty sure this is not going to take the entire time. I didn't leave myself enough time to do a dual episode today, so we're not going to go that route. We're just going to do one long run, long one. So I'm kind of debating which direction to go and whether it's worth trying to talk about things like, you know, kickers, punters, or something that I think would be even more exciting, which I actually do want to do. It's just a matter of whether I want its own episode would be the coaching staffs. I don't know. Just letting you know what I'm pondering as I do a podcast. But today we're looking at safeties. And um, similar to linebacker, um, it's relatively straightforward as who the top guys are. The biggest difference between the uh, linebackers and the safeties is the fact that um, very different units across all four teams. Bears and Lions and Vikings. Well, And the weird thing is, everybody's different. But, and I gotta tread lightly here, because there's the whole Amos and HaHa Clinton Dix thing, and I know, I feel like I'm walking in the middle of a battlefield, and it's like, pick a team, man. It's like, I don't want to pick a team. I've already said I think Amos is better, and I've already said it's entirely possible HaHa Clinton Dix has a great year. Also said it's possible Amos has a terrible year because he doesn't have Jackson next to him. These are all possibilities, but I, you know... I said prior to us getting Amos, Amos was one of my favorite free agents to go acquire. So I'm pretty much on the record, and I, tr- I want to try to not go down that path. We'll see if I get sucked into it or not. Because in in complete honesty, I really do think, similar to the defensive uh, the defensive fronts of these four teams, I think safeties could be one of the better units across the NFC North. I've got some big question marks about a few people that I'm not super sure who they are, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, by the way, there's this new guy, and he's like the best ever. But technically that's exactly what happened with Eddie Jackson, too. It was like, who is Eddie Jackson? And and the year before that, who is Eddie, Amy, Adrian Amos? How, how who, who, top three, What I've never heard of him in my life. NFC North is just cranking him out, man. Hopefully the Packers are doing the same thing with Savage, we'll see. Anyways, check the uh, the description of the podcast. There's a link there that will lead you to a list of links. If you're wanting to call into the podcast, if you're wanting to get some merchandise, if you want to get into the Facebook group, any of that stuff, that's the link you need to click. Beyond that, we are 11 iTunes reviews away from this PFF giveaway, and I'm pretty excited about that news. So if you are interested in getting a free PFF Edge subscription, or if you want to just let somebody else have it and support the show in the process, Leave an iTunes review, a five-star iTunes review of the podcast. Again, make sure the name of the podcast is Packernet Podcast, colon, Green Bay Packers, with Overtime Media under it. The logo should say Pack Daddy and Overtime Media in the bottom corner. We get 11 more, and I'm giving this thing away, finally. 
then I'll probably offer up like a BMW or something if we get to 300 before the season starts. But anyways, we'll take our break and uh, get into the safeties. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So first of all, an introduction, um, I'm sure most of us know the score for at least most of the teams, specifically the Bears and Packers, but for the Packers, let there be no doubt that it is Savage and Amos who are starting. If it is not Savage and Amos as the starting uh, safeties, both of which with a thousand snaps roughly in this season, something went terribly wrong. The question is who is going to be filling in that sort of hybrid linebacker role? I don't know, and I don't super care, especially since there's a good chance it's uh, Josh Jackson. No disrespect to uh, Green Bay Packers' favorite Raven Green or Mr. Mike Tyson, who I would love to have on the team, or Trey Matthews or anything. I'm just saying. And it might depend on, on alignment and situation and all these different things, what team you're going up against. But it also doesn't matter because I, I really think uh, the, on, on all four teams, I think there's two main guys and then there's a pretty big drop-off. Even for the Packers that employ this sort of, you know, dime linebacker position fairly regularly. For the Bears, there's Jackson and HaHa Clinton Dix. For the Vikings, everybody knows Harrison Smith. However, lesser known Anthony Harris. He's one of my question mark guys. Um, pretty similar situation to the Lions. But it's it's a situation where you say, okay, you lost Sandejo. And I feel like that's a good thing because Sandejo was pretty good. However, Anthony Harris, although not playing an entire year, graded out as the second best safety in the NFL last year. So that would be one of those situations where I'm reaching out to Vikings fans going, dude, tell me the truth, who is this guy? What's going on? Nobody ever talked about him. I mean, amongst Vikings fans probably, which is why I'm asking you. But no, no, who, who is Anthony Harris? Played 624 snaps. It's not like it's a 15-snap guy and it's like, oh, well, PFF grade, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Small sample size. 600 snaps. Elite safety. What? What? Who? How? Don't know. But welcome to the NFC North, Mr. Anthony Harris. Likewise for the Lions, as we all know, Mr. Quandre Diggs playing free safety. However, in the strong safety spot, got a man by the name of Tracy Walker. Now, it's a little different because Anthony Harris has been around for a little bit of a while, and part of the reason I'm nervous about it is because in his rookie year in 2015, 
at least as far as his grades go, he graded out pretty good. In 2016, not so good. 2017, he played pretty well again. 2018 is, you know, obviously last year when he was very, very good. Differing snap counts, but still, you know, 148 snaps, 235, 254 before his, his final 624 snap marathon. Tracy Walker's different because it's his first year and it was only 268 snaps, but still it's enough to kind of perk your ears up because he also was given an, an elite grade. So yes, any Lions fans, I'm also curious, although I, I do think it's probably very probable that we don't know and you don't know and it's just kind of a wait-and-see situation, but still kind of crazy. So to recap, the Lions have Quandre Diggs at free safety, who's pretty good, then they've got this new guy who was really good in his sort of limited sample size. And understand, I'm, I'm talking about overall. Obviously, he had some terrible games. Everybody does. And I only bring that up because I know there are probably going to be... I think one of the hard things is, especially with a guy with a small sample size, it's just a matter of what people remember in those little glim- glimpses, glimpses. Boom, nailed it. So if you're a Lions fan and you don't really know Tracy Walker all that well because he didn't play you know, more than, I don't know, 30 snaps in a game until week 14. The only time he played more than 20 snaps prior to that was week four. So if the only glimpses you really have of this guy are, you know, against the Packers when he had a terrible grade or this, that, or the other, he blew this, he blew that, you might not really have a strong appreciation for him. And so with, again, with a guy like Tracy Walker, it's not really set in stone. It's really just kind of which one memory you have of him. But overall, that was the grade that he was given. We'll get into specifics, but um, again, it's just kind of a curious thing. I know there's, there's every time I reach out, there's Bears and there's Vikings fans that, that snap back pretty quick. I don't know if Lions fans listen to my podcast. I got to find one and recruit them. Maybe I need to be more sensational. Start going like all Colin Coward on the Detroit Lions. Then I can start a Twitter feud and uh, really grow my reputation. Ooh, I know, I can start calling out football players. Sean Hand stinks like soup. What you gonna do, big boy? And that's how you get rich in this business. I'll think it over. But anyways, um, so some question marks. But again, Diggs, who's pretty good, and Walker, who at least has potential for the Lions. You've got Harris and Smith, not Harrison Smith. I mean, yes, Harrison Smith. That's gonna be confusing, man. Strong safety's name is Harrison Smith. The safety duo for the Vikings is Harris and Smith. But potentially lethal duo there. I mean, legitimately, everybody knows the Bears have a good situation with their safeties. Minus HaHa Clinton Dix haters, of which I can't say I'm necessarily one. I mean, I saw him miss tackles too, and yeah, whatever. But I'm not going to sit here and act like he's garbage. Not getting sucked in. Not doing it. But if, if I mean, if this is legit, and if, if this is who Harris is, and Smith can just keep doing what he's doing, I think the Vikings are in contention for top safety duo over the Bears. Not saying they are as of what they did in 2018. Just saying they're, they're, they're right there knocking at the door. Then I think the Bears have HaHa, who, depending on what you're asking him to do, I, I mean, as far as coverage goes, I think he's a good safety. I've said that. I said when, when we lost HaHa, the coverage went down the drain. Yes, the effort was garbage. The angles were garbage. The tackling was garbage. It just felt like the effort completely fell off, and that was a problem. At the very least, I think he's a good coverage safety, and if he can find a little bit of motivation, which it's entirely possible he did, could be a pretty solid safety. But even just looking at his PFF grade overall, for those of you that are interested, 79.3 was his overall grade. 
that's not as high as Amos, but it's high. 80 is very good. Almost the exact same grade as Harrison Smith. It's kind of funny, actually. All Pretty much all the strong safeties in the NFC North are, are pretty, you know, strong safety, free safety. It's kind of up in the air, but I think maybe we could just call them the number twos slash strong I don't know. I know Clinton Dix being a strong safety makes you chuckle, but at the same time, who's going to be the better free safety? Who's the guy you want single high if you're playing single high? It's obviously going to be Jackson, but they're all relatively close, pending whatever happens with Tracy Walker, who... Um, Obviously graded out higher last year, but we'll see with the with a full year under his belt what he's going to be able to do. The biggest question mark here in the NFC North is uh, Darnell Savage. And, you know, it, it, bottom line, if, if he's not very good, the Packers probably have the worst duo. If he's decent, then they're probably about what we got with the Lions. If he's real good, then it's, then it's like an NFC North trio. Bears, Packers, Vikings, great trio. Great trio trio of duos. We call that a truo in the industry. Write that in your notes. But if I haven't mentioned it before, I think Darnell Savage is probably the player I'm most excited about. Don't get me wrong, I fully understand that Rashawn Gary is a freak. I love his upside. I love his potential. But there's just something about Savage and kind of to... I don't even want to say it to a lesser degree. I just don't like saying it as much because he's a third-round pick. But I just... Watching Jay Sternberger just freaks me out. And again, I said this before we drafted him. I didn't say it about Savage because I didn't watch him until after we drafted him, or at least I don't remember. But I remember watching Sternberger and just thinking, oh my goodness, this guy's a freak. There were there were a handful of guys that I watched and, you know, I got chills watching them. Savage and Sternberger were those guys. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to come in and be an elite safety. There's no guarantees anywhere, but just incredible his speed. And by the way, thinking about all this about Amos, about Savage, about Gary, about Smith & Smith, the law firm, and then tying that into what we heard yesterday, which I'll save for a separate podcast in more depth, but having uh, Hackett come out, our offensive coordinator, and basically just shake his head and say, this defense is just ridiculous. Specifically, Mike Pettin. You're trying to teach your offense how to do stuff, and this guy's throwing all kinds of crazy looks at you. And it's like, what in the world was that? How am I supposed to get these guys up to speed or get them to do it? it it's, it's almost like the offense, which is very weird. I'm sure certain teams this isn't a weird thing, but for the Packers it's very weird to have your offensive guys come in and be like, dude, this defense needs to cool it because our offense just can't keep up. I've, I've never experienced that. And, he, and even if it was a thing in the past, I don't think Mike McCarthy would ever even admit that. But you can tell that they're very, very blown away. As an aside from my aside, I had one thought that's starting to scare me, and that is that if our defense really does take off, I'm a little bit worried Mike Pettin might be fighting for a head coaching job somewhere. Getting way ahead of myself, but just just the fact that I think, first of all, he's basically a head coach on this team. He's not the head head coach, but he is 100% in control of this defense. He has the head coach leaning on him as a head coach. And if he can take this perennially garbage defense and make it a, you know, I don't know what it would have to be, but let's just say he, you know, over the next two years, this goes from a, you know, whatever it was last year to a top 10 defense and then starts pushing for top five the year after that. That's the kind of stuff that happens and you lose your defensive coordinator. Granted, it's pretty rare because it very rarely do defensive guys get any looks. So hopefully he doesn't have a shot, but he, I mean, he's just a prime candidate in my mind. The, the more I, you know, you watch him at the podium, you think about his responsibility, you look at the offensive guys and the way that they revere him, the, the way the players revere him, the way he carries himself. The only thing missing from the, the equation is um, 
another year of success. I would I would say success, but he's had success everywhere he goes. So it'd be a pretty big leap, but I, I think if somebody was willing to pull the trigger um, on a defensive coordinator as a head coach, I think Mike Pettin would be a pretty good candidate. But anyways, that was just a random thought I had. Hopefully it never happens. And yes, I'm getting way ahead of myself because the defense could be trash. It just it just dawned on me. Also, I think the defense can be pretty good. Um, a couple other guys to possibly keep your eye on, but probably not. Uh, Marcus Epps in the sixth round was drafted by the Vikings. But more importantly, Will Harris, uh, safety... Um, out of Boston College was drafted in the third round by the Detroit Lions. And I think considering Quandre Diggs is an extremely inconsistent safety, and I really don't know what Tracy Walker is. He played, again, maybe a third of a season. He had his ups and his downs. I think Harris has got a shot at starting somewhere, or at least being some kind of a rotational player somewhere along the line. But anyways, looking at the grades, first of all, uh, we kind of covered it, but in order it would be um, Eddie Jackson is the top dog. After that would be Anthony Harris, then tentatively would be Tracy Walker, then Adrian Amos, Harrison Smith, HaHa Clinton Dix, Quandre Diggs, and I guess that would be it. Trying to figure out who I missed, but I think that was seven, and Savage would be eight. Run defense top dog, Harrison Smith, followed by Tracy Walker, Anthony Harris, Quandre Diggs, Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos, um, and then last would be HaHa Clinton Dix. Shouldn't surprise too many Packer fans. However, just to clarify, he didn't have a bad run defense grade. It was still technically in the good category. He and Glover Quinn were just barely in the good category. Uh, Amos and Jackson were also good. Uh, Diggs, Harris, and Walker were very good. And then Harrison Smith was the elite run defense grade. Not super surprising for anyone in the NFC North because Harrison Smith is good at that kind of stuff. Tackling is going to be relatively similar, so I'm not going to go over that. Pass rush, number one in the NFC North, Adrian Amos, followed by Harrison Smith, uh, then Eddie Jackson, Quandre Diggs, HaHa Clinton Dix, and then Anthony Harris. Tracy Walker has never done it. And then finally, the all-important coverage. For this, the only elite grade given out was Eddie Jackson, but three very good grades, uh, Anthony Harris, Adrian Amos, and Tracy Walker. Oh, I'm sorry, and HaHa Clinton Dix. I was looking at the wrong thing for some reason. After that is a pretty steep drop-off down into the 60s, so from very good down to average, you got Harrison Smith at Quandre Diggs. Looking at disruptive plays, and I wish I had this as a percentage, but I'm not going to take the time to do it because it takes too long, so just keep in mind, some had more snaps than others. But really, it's Eddie Jackson and then everybody else. Eddie Jackson had six interceptions and eight pass breakups. He's number one in both categories, meaning obviously when you combine the two, it's really not even close. But after that, Harrison Smith, Quandre Diggs, Anthony Harris, and HaHa Clinton Dix had three interceptions. Adrian Amos had two. Oh, and Mr. Tracy Walker had one. Pass breakups, Eddie Jackson had eight. Adrian Amos, five. Quandre Diggs, four. HaHa Clinton Dix, uh, three. Harrison Smith had two. Anthony Harris, two. And uh, Tracy Walker had zero. NFL passer rating when targeted, Anthony Harris, 24.0. Again, these are always a little bit misleading, but that's still pretty impressive. To give you an idea of what misleading means, Tracy Walker, passer rating when targeted, 2.8. Just give you his stats in a line here. Six, six targets, only two receptions for 18 yards. Nine yards after the catch. Zero touchdowns, one interception. But continuing on, Eddie Jackson, 54.9. Harrison Smith, 71.1. Haha Clinton Dix 76.2, um, Adrian Amos 78.8, Quandre Diggs 
Quandre Diggs, 96.9. So every single person had under 100. Now, guys that aren't doing it anymore, like Glover Quinn, who's a free agent, Tremont Williams, who's going back to corner, and Kentrell Bryce, who, you know, whatever, they were all over 100, but none of them are playing. So, again, pretty good group. Uh, Looking at run-stop percentage, of the guys with at least 100 snaps from last year that stood out, the only one that's kind of standing out is actually Josh Jones, who's technically still a Green Bay Packer. It's possibly comes back and plays, although I think it's pretty unlikely. I guess he was at practice today. I think they said he had an injury or something is why he wasn't practicing. I don't know if I really buy that, but that's the excuse they gave. After that pretty massive drop-off as far as uh, actual starters go, Harrison Smith at 4.4. He stands out from the rest of our group. Quandre Diggs, 3.9. Tracy Walker, 3.6. And then a massive drop-off down to Adrian Amos, 1.6. Anthony Harris, 1.5. Eddie Jackson, 1.5. I'm not exactly sure about HaHa Clinton Dix because he's, his stats are split between what he did with the Packers and what he did with the Washington Redskins. He didn't have a single stop for the Packers. Again, big shock, I'm sure, for Packers fans. He was, however, at 1.6 for the Washington Redskins. But again, I don't know what that average is out to between the two. I guess we'll cut it in half and call it 0.8. So there's a few other stats, but I'm, I'm not super interested in it. So I guess the question of the day is how would you rank them? Now, I'll be entirely honest. It's very hard to put the Packers in the top category at this point. Because I don't know what Adrian Amos is when you take him out of that system, and I have no idea what Darnell Savage is. I have some questions about HaHa Clinton-Dix. I have some questions about Anthony Harris, kind of long-term, how if he can sustain what he did last year. But I think you can cancel that out by the fact that Harrison Smith actually had a down year, although he had a really good year last year. Um, He is a pretty close to perennially elite or close to elite safety. So in my mind... The top two safety groups are the Vikings and the Bears. I think way further down the list is the Lions, although there's potential. I think Diggs is almost the exact opposite of Harrison Smith in that he was good, but it was kind of an up year for him. Um, You know, kind of good is sort of his ceiling, and then, you know, below average to average is his, well, you know, below average to close to bad is his floor. So what kind of a year is Diggs going to give you? And then what really is Tracy Walker is kind of the big question mark. The ceiling, if everything goes perfectly, is about what we saw last year, which is solid. But I think as far as expectations, I think Diggs is going to regress and I think Walker is going to regress because I think both of them were a little bit higher than, you know, sort of the regression in the mean kind of thing. The only question is, what do you do with the Packers' safeties? And again, this is one of those things where it doesn't really matter because I just want to see it, right? It could be just a a dynamic, freakish safety group, and I'm real excited to see it. But again, I'm trying to think of this if I was an investor and this was cash, and I'm trying to assess value and risk. Adrian Amos might regress, but it's hard to say that I know for sure. He's never really been bad. His rookie year, he was good. His, uh, you know, sophomore year, 2016, he was good again. In 2017, again, he was a top five safety. He was, you know, graded as elite. He had a way higher grade than Eddie Jackson. And then his sort of, you know, crashing back down to reality moment was in 2018 where he was graded as very good. He's always been a solid safety. I don't know if he's he's technically or, or realistically an elite safety, but he's a very good safety, and I think it's possible he stays there. And then again, the only question is, what do you expect from Darnell Savage? 
the Packers traded way up for him. He's a first-round pick, so there's reason to have high expectations. You look at the play speed. You look at his 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 ability to uh, play on the ball. I like his chances, but how much can I actually? If if I were to just give him an expected grade, what would it be as a rookie? I would say probably 70s. And I think if, if Amos were to regress a little, it might be high 70s. So maybe Savage like in the 75 range, Amos in the 79 range. If that were to happen, that would make them comfortably third. A very good group, third in the NFC North. And and I don't, I don't even have that much of a reservation putting them third, because even if Savage is real good and Amos stays where he is, then you got Amos who's a little bit, you know, Maybe okay. He's better than Ha Ha Clinton Dix, which was the expect expectation. But is Savage going to be better than Jackson? Probably not. So they're not better than the Bears. And then if Harrison Smith goes back to being what he was, and Harris can do anything even close to what he did last year, it's the same situation. Adrian Amos isn't better than either of the Viking safeties, and is Darnell Savage so good that he overcompensates? No, he's not going to. So I feel relatively comfortable saying that the Packers are third, but still super high upside, and I'm really excited about it. So I guess if I were to kind of tier it, it would be Bears, minimal drop to Vikings, relatively sizable drop to the Packers when you consider not only, I shouldn't say not only, talent really isn't an issue, it's just a matter of an unknown whatever. Then you drop down to the the Lions, who I think their ceiling is good as a group. I think a realistic expectation would be mediocre with about an equal possibility of being kind of bad. But again, I'm I'm real excited, especially as someone who, you know, as Packer fans, the defensive back group and and our ability to stop the pass has been just a constant thorn in our side. I'm so excited to see what this team can do with young corners that are developing. Even Kevin King, you know, when you've add up his actual playing time, it comes together to about one year. Plus, it's all of these guys' second year in Petten's scheme. You add in the massively improved pass rush. You add in the brand spanking new safeties in Amos and Savage. I'm super excited to see what these guys can do. I'm super excited to try to, you know, get a couple more turnovers than we're used to. But just, just even more so than turnovers, I just want to see good coverage. I want to see a good unit. I want to see teams getting frustrated that they just cannot do anything. Nobody can get open. I look forward to the frustrating caveat that it was a coverage sack. Like, yeah, it was a good sack, but I mean, let's be honest, it took him like four and a half, five seconds to get there. I look forward to teams trying to test Savage. It actually, (laughs) and I don't know this is going to happen, but remember when Jordy first came into the league and he was constantly getting open because nobody respected his speed? I mean, you legitimately had a, had corners going, I, I I don't know, I just looked across from me, I saw a white guy, I didn't think he could run that fast. And then they came to respect it, and he still got open a lot, because he's a good receiver, but I look forward to that, that little bit of time when quarterbacks don't quite understand how fast Savage is, and they're looking at it, and they're like, eh, I don't think he can get there. And they launch it off, and Savage just starts the season off getting just a bunch of picks, until, you know, teams go into meeting rooms prior to playing the Packers, and like, look... Don't throw it over there because he's going to get there. you got to give that man a wide berth. I'm excited about that, man. I'm super jacked. And, and, and to elaborate a little bit, even though I have the Packers third, if I had the opportunity to trade with the Vikings or the Bears, would I trade? The answer is no. I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very content with the unit we have. I think we also have to recognize 
that we don't know what Eddie Jackson is yet. He had one year in which he wasn't very good. He had one year in which he was the best safety in the NFL. But we got to see what happens. I mean, does that mean that he's the, now the Earl Thomas of the NFL because he had one good year? No. I mean, he's a good safety. He was, what, like a third or fourth round pick? I don't think it's that unreasonable to expect regression. I mean, Adrian Amos did the exact same thing. He was elite. Like, he, you know, he was, he was pretty good, and then he was pretty good again, and then he was elite, and then he kind of came back down to normal, right? Just went to being good again. He's very good. I don't think it would be all that unreasonable to think that Eddie Jackson goes from elite number one safety in the NFL to, you know, really good safety maybe like 89-ish or something, you know, real good, fourth best, fifth best safety in the NFL, whatever. But I like what the Packers are doing. I, I like the dynamic. I like that you have guys that can play free and strong. You know, I, Clinton Dix, I respect his coverage. I don't want him playing strong safety. And I think the Bears legitimately do have to worry about that because the Bears had no concerns whatsoever. If you had Amos playing playing back, you were fine. And, and you know, Jackson playing up close, he did a great job. If you've got Jackson trying to play single high safety, which you can can do and you want to do, and you got Ha Ha Clinton Dix playing up close trying to play in the box, eh, I don't know. And I'm also excited that the Packers have the most youthful group, right? Amos is 26, a little bit younger than Ha Ha Clinton Dix, but Darnell Savage is 21. I like that, especially if we start talking about would you trade with the Vikings, that becomes another pretty big issue, and that's that's an easy no. Bears fans might scoff at me saying I don't want to trade, and it's probably correct that I've already said the Bears are probably a better unit, so I'm probably dumb to not trade, but I wouldn't. I like what the Packers are doing. Vikings, it's a little bit easier. Harrison Smith is real good, but he's 30, and he's a strong safety, and he's kind of just a strong safety. He's not that great in coverage. Likewise, Anthony Harris kind of had a really big boom year, but, you know, I I do expect a decent amount of regression. I don't know if he's going to be even in the very good category next year. If, if I had to just throw a number on it, I would say he drops from 89 down to, like, right at 80. If you look at his previous year, 78, 52, 75, 89, right? Which one doesn't belong? Could be a breakout year, no question. Great year, all that. Going to be probably a really good safety. But again, you're asking me if I'm going to switch a guy that's going into his fifth year that's probably going to regress. And uh, Harrison Smith, who, you know, maybe he's going to get better, but he's also 30 years old. It's a pretty easy choice for me. And then the Lions, it's not even close. So in terms of my love of our unit, yeah, I, I, I would put them number one or very close to number one in terms of my comfort level with the unit in the long run. But um, as far as 2019 expectations, I'm just going to leave them at third. I feel comfortable with that. All right, we're going to take a break. And I think what we're going to do is start looking at a few questions. I don't know how many we can get to, but uh, let's start running through a few of these. And again, if you want to ask a question or, you know, pose a statement to the uh, the podcast, feel free. Check out the link in the description. Actually, it's not a link. Just check out the description. The phone number's in there. But anyways, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. All right, so this question once again comes from the Masked Listener out of Wyoming. Real name Kyler, but we're going to go with Masked Listener. He says, if Rashawn Gary pans out like we hope to, do you think he'll end up starting over one of the two Smiths or will that use three at a time? I think it's a pretty good question because I'm, I, I mean... The answer is both. It's just a matter of what the proportion is going to be. I'm really curious about Zadarius Smith and what his primary role is going to be. So there's so many different scenarios, especially when you consider how these guys are actually going to rank. So, for example, it's possible that Rashawn Gary doesn't super pan out, in which case I tend to think they're going to want Preston and Zadarius on the outside and then just occasionally kicking Zadarius inside, um and putting either Kyler or Gary on the outside situationally. Now, even in that scenario, 
it kind of becomes a question of how badly do the Packers want Zadarius to play inside. I don't know that that's necessary, and, and that's kind of what I mean. Does Mike Pettin envision him primarily as an interior guy? Does he see him as kind of a 50-50 split? Does he see him as an outside guy, or is it kind of just dependent on what's going on? Is it just he's a versatile player and we'll just kind of go with the flow? But even then, what what is the ideal? Would you like him to be outside all the time? Would you like him to be inside? Because if, if the, the plan is to primarily keep him inside, then it's a question of, well, it's probably going to be Preston and Rashawn just because he's a first-round draft pick, and even if you're garbage, you need to be out there, you need to perform, you need to play well, and we'll just sub in Kyler in certain situations. But that's just assuming Rashawn isn't very good. If all three are, you know, you know, good, bad, whatever, up to snuff, then yeah, it kind of becomes a question of, is this going to be mostly a rotation? Because I think Preston is almost always going to be outside. I don't think he's going to play inside, although maybe on occasion. I know there's some talk about maybe bringing that NASCAR package back, which I think will be much more effective than what um, Dom Capers had, because we had guys like Clay Matthews that are a little undersized to be playing, you know, down linebacker. <laughs> which isn't a thing, but it was in NASCAR. But I, I think the ideal situation is that all three of these guys are really good, and in that case, assuming Zadarius is, is you know, not infinitely better on the outside than the... Again, there's so many variables. I think the ideal situation in my mind is you've got Rashawn, Zadarius, Kenny, Mike, and Preston. That's ideal in my mind because you've it, it's just about putting the best 11 on the field. Right, and then you got Blake and Oren and uh, you know Darnell and Adrian. First name basis only. <laughs> it felt weird saying some of them, but I wanted to keep the theme going. In my mind, that's ideal, and that's sort of base. And then if you get into the nickel package, um, where you have the four down linemen, in my mind, it's Zadarius and Rashawn with Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark in the middle. That's assuming everything pans out and everybody's doing a great job. That That's sort of the general flow with rotations throughout, right? Preston comes in on occasions, and Darius is going to go on the outside on occasion to give, you know, Preston a Smith and Kyler will come in. But that, in my mind, is sort of the, the general thing. So to answer your question directly, if Rashawn Gary is the guy, um, I, I kind of see them doing all three at the same time primarily. And I think secondarily would be, you know, you bring Dean Lowry in on the outside, on the inside, and then it's Zadarius and Rashawn Gary. But even then, it's a rotation, right? It'll be Zadarius and Preston, Gary and Preston, all of the combinations you can come up with. But just speaking to primarily, and I think that'd be awesome, especially like I said, if Zadarius can can really perform well on the inside as an interior pass rusher, I think that's that's incredible. Because then look at what we're upgrading, right? We don't need to upgrade Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. We're talking dynamic. But then rather than just upgrading um, Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, we're also upgrading Dean Lowry as far as pass rush goes. We, we're, we're upgrading three positions as pass... You know, the only three that need upgrading, we're all upgraded. But yeah, it's, it's really just going to depend on how guys are performing. And then from there, e- even then, you know, if there is sort of a, a set general base, there might be changes in that. Right? you got to look at who you're going up against, you know, what primary formations you're going to be in you know Mike Smith is going to be looking at the tackles and and you know doing a study of them maybe Kyler is going to have a better game and he's going to play more snaps you know is the team more run heavy or pass heavy I think the bottom line is it's, it's going to be mixed and matched to the umpteenth degree everybody's playing everywhere but that that's the best I can do as far as ideal and what I think the general goal would be if everything goes to plan 
So the next question comes from Jake from Hudson, Wisconsin. And the question is actually a good one because it was something that I just started thinking about as, you know, news stories start coming about, out about who's standing out and all that kind of stuff. But the question is essentially, is it possible that certain guys are going to end up on the field, even if they're not quite as talented, because they just get it more than others? And, and definitely that can be the case because we've seen that. I think the, the good thing is I think they're actually going to go forward with that, unlike in the past where it was if you were drafted higher or if we paid you, you're going to go out there no matter what. But the, the reason I like the question is because we've, and this question was asked several days ago, but you start seeing things like Marquez is standing out. Even more importantly, something that really kind of blew my mind as far as we really need to investigate this, and I, you know, I don't know how long this is going to last. You know, certain guys are going to start picking up the book as they go, and then uh, he even prefaced it saying, you know, maybe especially early on this would be the case because as time goes on, guys start to pick up, pick up on it. But you start hearing reports that Trevor Davis is standing out, and it's just like a light bulb went off. Like, why did it never occur to me that maybe some guys that we kind of brushed off really kind of stand out in this, you know, and, and LaFleur said it's not necessarily a scheme thing, but I'll say in this scheme. Mike McCarthy ran a specific kind of offense. What happens to the offensive line in the new scheme? Could guys stand out that maybe didn't before? Now most of these jobs are locked up. But what about tight end? You heard uh, Aaron Rodgers, and again, a lot of these are throwaway lines. We hear all this stuff at the beginning of the season, but he, he made the specific point that he thinks Jimmy Graham fits this scheme very well. He thinks this scheme fits his body type or whatever the, the comment was. And then you look at Trevor Davis, and you think back to what we used to say about him as far as his potential. Granted, he was not super high potential, but he was really fast, and we got excited about that. But you look at a guy that's really fast, and you know he's a good yard-after-the-catch guy. He's a great return man and all that kind of stuff, and and Lafleur comes in with a fresh set of eyes. He's not looking at it saying, well, this guy hasn't been good for us for a long time. He, he and Hackett are coming into this brand new, just running with these guys, and, and here's Trevor Davis. And again, we're running new plays, we're running new schemes, we're running new, all this different kind of stuff. And Trevor Davis, with his skill set, is kind of standing out a little bit. So you, you kind of got to step back a little bit when you see this stuff and go, I, I don't really know as much as I think I know about this team. Granted, some of the stuff is set in stone, like I said, Devontae's Devontae, Bakhtiari's Bakhtiari, Rodgers is Rodgers. And some players just aren't good, period. It doesn't really matter. It's not so much the scheme. But is it possible there were some people that maybe a, a scheme shift takes them from being either really good to really bad or really bad to really good? Maybe not quite that drastic, but you know, somebody that you kind of just view as under the rug, under the radar, and suddenly they really stand out. And if you look at the two guys that are really standing out, they're the speed guys. Marquez is really standing out, and Trevor Davis is standing out. Again, EQ has got some speed too, but we're talking about Trevor Davis with 4'2 speed, Marquez with 4'3-ish, 4'3-something speed. EQ is closer to 4'5", I think. He's like a 4'4'8", 4'... I don't know what he was. But maybe, you know, certain different things in the way Lafleur runs things, if you've got a little bit of a speed advantage and you can do things after the catch, this scheme kind of suits you a little bit. You know, maybe if you're not as good of a route runner, if you think about what is LaFleur trying to do, he's trying to scheme you open. Whereas Devontae's the only one that could win in, in Mike McCarthy's scheme because it's, look, this is the route, it's on you to shake the guy. If this is more, we're going to, you know, utilize our scheme, you just focus on us utilizing your physical traits, which Trevor Davis has them, right? It's, he's fast, and once he has the ball in his hand, what can he do with the ball? You know, if that's all he has to focus on, he's got a pretty good shot of it, at least starting. You know, he's probably not going to be a primary contributor. But if he can make it as the, 
you know, number four or even number five wide receiver, then he's he's a lock because of his special teams abilities, right? If it's it's Adams and then Marquez and then Geronimo and then, you know, EQ and then Trevor Davis, yeah, for sure. So, and, and we can kind of say that with the defense, but I think more so with the offense because it's second year with the defense. The only way that would really apply is the same way it would apply with every team, which is that the rookies, it's a matter of, are they getting it? But with a brand new offensive scheme, and that, you know, another question would be the running backs. I've kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, the, the thing that scares me is that I think Aaron Jones can only really go down. Now, I've, I've challenged him before, and he's proven me wrong, and it's entirely possible that outside and inside makes no difference. He's just a good running back, and it's going to be fine, and it suits him just fine, but that worries me. But then you got to wor- also think about, you know, the exciting thing is on offense and defense, this draft was done with these new coaches in mind, so the new guys should fit the scheme, right? Billy Turner was, was brought in with the scheme in mind. Dexter Williams was brought in with the outside zone in mind. On the defense, Savage and Gary, right? These these are guys that were brought in with this specific defense in mind. Now, picking up on the playbook is a separate thing, but talking about scheme, that's that's something to consider in a positive way. But yeah, I, I think it's it's reasonable to expect some kind of a shakeup because, you know, we're, we're so used to kind of just seeing how things go and wondering, you know, well, maybe this guy takes a leap or whatever. This guy's on a slow decline. But I think there's a potential for sort of a, 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 a shift. Certain guys that maybe we wrote off that could stand out. You know, maybe maybe Kaiser stands out. Not that he's going to replace Rodgers, but that's something to consider. Maybe Kaiser in the new scheme is able to, to really kind of rise up. You know, Jason Spriggs, he needs a big breakout year. Maybe maybe this slight shift in, in this kind of a scheme, which asks for more athletic people, is going to kind of awaken something in this very athletic tackle. But again, we also have to be prepared for that going in the negative. Is Aaron, Aaron Rodgers going to struggle? Is, you know, Devontae probably won't, but could he struggle? Aaron Jones, might he regress a little bit? What's Jamal Williams' role going to be? Could he just be completely obsolete in this? You know, we've got a pretty established offensive trio. How are Bakhtiari, Balaga, Corey Lindsley going to respond? And Corey Lindsley, you really got to worry because Elton Jenkins is waiting to come in and be the next center. Now, I have said pretty consistently, I think he starts as a guard. But I loved Corey Lindsley for what he was at the time. Not saying he's not athletic enough to be able to pull this off, but I wanted Corey Lindsley to win the job when I found out that he could like bench press a truck. And then he comes in and plays, and he kind of struggled a little bit early on, but then you'd see him just absolutely pancake a guy, and it's like, yeah, there's that guy that can bench press like 7,500 pounds. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who who kind of stands out and who doesn't. And we're going to hear a lot of stuff over the next several weeks, and a lot of it's going to be more positive than negative. I think the only thing I'm really trying to lock into right now is who's who's starting. Even though they're doing rotations, typically as, as time goes on, you're going to start seeing first team and it'll be interesting to see who, if there's any real big shakeups there. Otherwise, I mean, all through practice, all through preseason, I mean, it all it, it basically means nothing. I mean, I'm going to make a big deal out of it as much as anybody else, but we've seen a billion times. I mean, Kumaro's already off and running, right? It's, just, it's already the Kumaro show. I think he had two touchdowns already like yesterday. Guess what? I'm not changing my stance. I think there's a sizable chance that he doesn't even make the team. I have nothing against Kumaro. It's just a stacked group, and Kumaro's kind of old. I mean, we got Devontae, we got EQ, we got Marquez, we got Geronimo. We know they're not going anywhere. Jamon's probably not going anywhere. Trevor, I think, has a better chase, chance than Jay Kumaro. That's six wide receiver receivers right there. There's five other guys, I believe, that are fighting for wide receiver spots on this team outside of the guys that I listed. Now, the, the, the upsetting part is 
I don't know what the guy can do other than dominate. And the, the problem is it's one of those things where even if he plays really well, are you going to keep him? Because we did that last year and he didn't do anything in the regular season. But it's also like if he, if, if he has a – if he's the kind of guy that you're going to cut him no matter what, why is he here anyways? He's got to be able to earn it, and I don't see him not earning it because he just dominates in the offseason. He dominates in the preseason. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Anyways, I guess I'll go to work now. Thank you guys very much for the questions. We'll get to a few more uh, at a later time. No idea where we're going from here. By the way, if you have any suggestions, things that you'd like me to look at, let me know. We're still in the off season, so I don't really have a set schedule. We're just kind of rolling with it. Let me know what you think. Otherwise, enjoy your Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.